Hi everybody and welcome to this, the ARC360 podcast. So thanks very much for joining us again. This uh, podcast is taken from the webinar produced on the 29th of July 2020. Our 20th webinar on the trotting, in fact. So uh, some further great insight shared from uh, Phil Blowers, commercial director at Indasa Abrasives, Peter Cox, European Motor Claims Procurement Manager at QBE, and Dave Sargent, Managing Director of Gemini Accident Repair Centres and Chairman of Auto Raids. Uh, big thank you, as always, to our corporate partners, ASIS, BMS, CAPS, Copart, Emacs, Integral, Enterprise Rent-A-Car, Nationwide Vehicle Recovery Assistance and SNG Response, along with our partners, the Green Parts Specialists in DASA and the Innovation Group. Kick back and relax and enjoy this another fascinating insight into the re-emergence of the industry. So again, we'll just give people a little bit more time just to join in. As you can see on the screen, they are our corporate partners and our partners who continue to power ARC360, if you like. So a huge shout out to ASIS, BMS, Apps, Cobart, Emacs, Integral, Enterprise Rent-A-Car, Nationwide Vehicle Recovery Assistance and S&G Response. And also to our partners, the Green Park Specialists in DASA and the Innovation Group. So we'll get things moving. And as always, I'd like to do a little bit of a disclaimer to uh, give these guys some cover uh, in terms of conversations that are about to take place. We've said it in previous weeks, but uh, things are moving so rapidly right now that what we say right now might not be so relevant uh, a bit later on today. So the views and opinions expressed during the following webinar are those of the individual <coughs> contributors and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the contributors employer organization committee or other group or individual please respect any all contributions and we encourage you to join the conversation via the interactive functions available and joining us today then we've got uh, phil blowers commercial director of indasa abrasives we've got peter cox european motor claims procurement manager of qbe and we've got dave Sargent, managing director of gemini accident repair centers and chairman of auto so let's come back and say a little hello to everybody. Right, great to have you guys join us. Thank you very much indeed, and great to have everyone here with us today. Um, so let's have a little bit of a, an insight into where we're at and who you are individually, in case anybody doesn't uh, is not familiar with yourselves. And uh, I'd have come across to you first, Dave, if I may. Yeah, um, Dave Sargent, um, MD of Gemini. Uh, we've got. 29 sites or did have pre-COVID. I think we've still got the same, uh, fortunately. So, um, yeah, decent size um, repairing group in the UK um, and uh, chairman of Auto Raise, the apprenticeship charity for the industry as well. Fabulous. Thank you, Dave. And Dave joined us, oh, what are we, six weeks ago now, I think it probably was, maybe even yeah, longer. Longer, I think. You lose count. So, uh, We'll catch up on what's been happening with Gemini for sure. And uh, Phil joins us from Indarsa now. Um, it's uh, kind of a novel one, this, because we've, apart from a couple of big paint companies, we've not really had, the, if you like, the supply chain or uh, um, product suppliers represented in previous week. So, uh, Phil, just give us a little bit of an introduction to yourself. Yeah, thank you, Mark. Thank you for, uh, for inviting us along. Um, Phil Blows from Indarsa uh, Abrasives UK. Um, for those who know us, we're based down in Colchester, uh, down in Essex. Um, obviously, um, been an integral part of the UK market, I would say, for uh, for the last 25 years. 
uh, as a brand. Um, and obviously, um, delighted to be here today to join you guys uh, to discuss uh, everything that's going on currently within the UK market. Brilliant. Thank you very much, Phil. And Peter, representing the insurers, if you like, today. So uh, just tell us a little bit about yourself, Peter, and uh, QBE. All right. Well, Peter Cox, a European Motor Claims Procurement Manager. Um, as probably some of you may or may not know, QBE in the UK is a commercial insurer when it comes to motor. Uh, but we are part of a global uh, insurance group uh, that insures and reinsures pretty much uh, anything and everything you can think of from um, one man and his, uh, and his delivery motorcycle on his uh, delivering his fast food to, uh, to satellites and, uh, and everything in between. So uh, a vast range of, uh, of products and services that we provide uh, generally in the insurance space. But obviously today, my focus and, and my responsibility is to do with motor, uh, specifically uh, in the UK and Europe. Fabulous. Thank you very much, Peter. Okay, so as is per usual, we will take a look at uh, the data sets for this week. So we've got our usual integral data sets. And again, courtesy of uh, Ollie Chambers and the team there at Integral. Um, so there is our heat map, if you like, of the UK. And again, as uh, normal, the darker spots are obviously those uh, higher volumes of uh, claims which are taking place. So not a great deal of change there. What we have seen is a 12% increase in week and week claims volume. So compared to last week, 25% increase in month on month claims volume. So this week compared to the same in June, uh, a 7% of volume coming from the new hotspots, which we will look into and also claims spread over 389 postcodes. Now, uh, last week it was 350 something, if memory serves me correct. And the new hotspots are Livingstone, Clacton-on-Sea, Melton Mowbray, Manchester, Birmingham and Omar, Scotland. And the postcodes that relates to is EH54, CO15, LE13, M41, B26 and BT78. That's your hotspots and the top six postcodes by volume at the moment. E12, G14, TW18, LU1, CM20 and NG5. And just to provide some clarity, that data is pulled from enterprise customers, i.e. those claims requiring an enterprise rental, which equates to about the third of all claims, plus the addition of its own claims business data, which handles claims for brokers. So let us come back. So I'm going to jump across to you if I first made Peter. So in terms of claims, volumes, you know, that, that is obviously the key to this industry, if you like. Um, what are you experiencing there at QBE? Well, QBE, uh, being the commercial insurer, I guess we're a little bit different to the uh, private lines. Um, we're seeing that our claims volume is actually remaining low. So uh, we've not seen that 25% increase month on month that you've just alluded to there. Um, our, our claims uh, typically uh, are below 50% of, uh, of what we would expect this time of year. Uh, obviously, due to the COVID, we're also seeing that some of our clients are reluctant to have vehicles repaired for minor damage or relatively minor damage. So they'll hold on to the vehicle, make it road legal and carry on using it rather than put it into the repairer network. 
and I think there's some hangovers from that from I guess the early days with some repairers closing down uh, some parts uh, difficulties with regards to supply and that quickly generated a perception I think with some of our larger fleet customers that the vehicle wouldn't be back out on the road in a short space of time so uh, hence the reason that uh, they're reluctant to uh, to let go of the vehicle until um, until they see I guess a more uh, business as usual or business as it used to be should I say. Mm, yeah and do, do, you, do you sort of have a you know is there a timeline on that in terms of your own kind of workings or, or thinking when that's you know when these vehicles might start coming into the market? I think it's like all these things really to do with Covid it's all a confidence issue so I think once once the uh, the customer base feels that one the, the supply chain is there and, and and is able to deliver as it used to do and and two they're seeing, I guess, their own their own businesses um, being back to normal in terms of both the volume that they're dealing with and uh, and their own people. I think all those factors play into into what these people see as normal. It's all a perceptional thing and, and confidence, but um, it's slowly coming round. But it is it is slow for us. Yeah. So uh, we're sure that it'll come. We, we, clearly, these vehicles are going to need repairs, but uh, we're not seeing it yet. Yeah, yeah, and and again, potentially disrupted by, you know, what we're kind of seeing in the news headlines at the moment in in terms of second waves of, of virus, not necessarily obviously in the UK, but um, you know, globally. Um, I'm sure that's kind of denting people's confidences, uh, you know, everywhere generally at the moment. So um, there's lots to go in on. So Dave, over to you. Um, so if you can, again, just give us a little insight in terms of we've obviously looked at the volumes. We've talked in the past few weeks. The industry generally is around about 65%. It sort of seems to be somewhere between 60 and 70%. We've kind of all got our sights set on 80% by Q4. We think we'll be doing you know, quite well. Again, that's, you know, a generic statement, but, um, you know, how, how are you experiencing things in your own business? Yeah. I mean, um, as you just said, we, we are 60, 65% of our, you know, pre COVID volumes, um, with that sort of similar, um, note of, um, employees back as well. So, um, we're as positive as we can be in, in this situation. Um, the furlough part still runs out, you know, to October. Um, but, you know, this is the, the time now. We've had two months really fully back, um, um, you know, from, from being closed in, in April. Uh, we had a, you know, a stutter in May and then June, July has, has pretty much plateaued with the volume. Um, it's not, you know, not seeing huge increases. Interesting on the slides you, you showed earlier, Scotland for us has held up well. And it looks like it's holding up um, well on those slides. So that, that sort of compares to what we're seeing. Um, I, you know, the toughest part for us, and, and I guess for, for most um, of the body shops, uh, really is your people. You know, you look after your people. We always have and, and want to continue doing that. Um, the people have come first, um, you know, in, in this before profit. And we, we want to, um, you know, get as many people back to work as possible. They're, they're sat out there on furlough at the moment, and obviously that there is an end point that um, we've got to reach. In it, and if the volume does come back to eighty percent, if and if it does next year, you know, but you can't wait till then. So you know, restructuring conversations we're having, 
between us at the moment, um, which is, you know, not what we wanted to do, not what we planned for this year. Um, but unfortunately, we're going to, you know, have those um, conversations and restructure the business so uh, it can um, maintain and continue, you know, as, as we did before. We had a really, really good business when we came into COVID. Um, and I intend us to have a really good business when we come out the other side, if not better. That You know, we found lots of opportunities and lots of um, inefficiencies, et cetera, which, you know, this is exposed, uh, which is good. You know, good in lots of ways, not not good in terms of your people. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it is a time to, to sort of do that restructure now um, and set ourselves again um, for, for the last quarter of the year, really. June and July have been good examples for us in P&L terms as what the business can do with that amount of people, with that volume. And if you're seeing that as um, successful to a degree, although you've got the elephant over there, which is all your staff, um, you know, I think that, that stands you in good stead to say your business will maintain itself and be sustainable uh, when we come through the other side. So I'm, I'm positive you know, and the team are positive from uh, what we've seen in June and July. We'll, we'll have a really good business going forward again, as long as we don't have another wave and lockdown again, which will knock everyone for six. I, th I should think most repairers who are back now are, are in similar situation, you know, and it's a self-preservation job at the moment, you know, looking after your own and your own people and your own business um, and, and your customer base uh, until we're, we're through you know, the next stage of this virus and the next stage is the restructuring, the furlough ending, um, and then seeing what businesses are, are left. You know, I think from your last webinar, uh, Richard Steer said, you know, he felt hopefully the opportunity hadn't gone to make some changes in the industry. I don't think it has gone. I don't think we've reached the critical point yet when things will have to be discussed with insurers. Um, you know, I would think the insurers at the moment, they've got their own issues to deal with. Uh, whether they're going to come back to their um, their businesses or not, or stay home working. Uh, everyone's got their own issues to deal with at the moment. And I think until we've sort of washed furlough away and we're hopefully back into some kind of normality, um, and I think you know, some businesses will fail and whatever's left at the end of the day, I think that's the time then when we'll pick the pieces up and say, okay, what do we need to change? Because we have... You know, 12 months ago, no one would have predicted this. Not not one of us. You could have done as many surveys as you want. You know, no one would have predicted this. It happened. It's like hailstorms, you know, um, insurers, you know, risk averse, but they know hailstorm might happen. And it does happen every few years in a certain postcode. So prepare for it. You couldn't prepare for this. No one could. It, it's happened. But we know what it's like now. We know what it feels like. And we'll know what to do if it comes again. And the likelihood of it coming again, it is you know probably quite high mm -hmm. so we've got to prepare our, our own business insurers have got to prepare their own networks and make sure and suppliers have got to make sure they're partnered with with all the right people so they are you know sustainable everyone's sustainable to carry on you know in in this industry when we come out the other side dave can i ask can you see any long-term change you know permanent changes as a result of what you've gone through now so in terms of process and, and anything else really can you see anything permanently changing for you guys uh, well internally i mean the process we had we we lived and died by what what it uh, what it's done is reinforce the process we had was good 
um, but we've got to do it on a, almost a smaller um, smaller site by site uh, way of doing it so cut out any other inefficiencies but to do that we are going to need to partner with our insurers and, and say what can we do about the clunky bits in the chain that affect us both um, to, to you know um, sort of smooth the cost base out uh, across all the things that we do and we're asked to do you know how can we join that up um, so it's more fluid um, and all we can do is change our, our own workings internally uh, and obviously keep having conversations with our insurer partners to see what can be done I mean insurers are a big you know they're always described as big oil tankers you turn the pull the rudder full turn and it takes two years later the decisions made that, that isn't strictly true I mean insurers certainly ones we, we um you know are approved for have been really quick and flexible to, to make decisions you know i mean lv noted highly in my eyes above the rest at the moment because they have made quick decisions that have that have helped us now through when we need it um you know and, and that's that needs to be said you know, and other insurers have have tried other things. You know, some are slower than the others, but um, they can do it if they really want to. And you know, want you as in part of their network and want you to succeed, and us all, you know, to be able to carry on giving the customer the journey. Everyone's got to make that move and and do something about it, um, so we can all succeed at the other side. And that's I mean, yeah, interesting points because um, the. You know, many of the insurers that we've had featured in previous weeks, it's been a case of, you know, it's the wrong term to use, but, you know, surprise themselves in how quickly, you know, they managed to, you know, get a whole host, thousands of people out of the building, working from home, uh, and then start to, you know, look at things and, and as you say, you know, join join the dots up a little bit more uh, smoothly than perhaps ever done before. And so um, it, it's been great to see how quickly everyone's moved. And some, some great points there, Dave. Nobody would have seen this 12 months ago. I think, again, you know, as a, as a you know, case in point, I hark back to the first webinar we held on the 18th of March. And we were talking about, you know, something was happening, something was coming, but we hadn't felt anything at that point. A week, two weeks later, um, you know, it was almost, uh, you know, everyone had kind of, we'd gone into lockdown and everyone had, had just kind of scrabbling around for 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 what to do. So um, So it's been a really interesting, you know, path to follow. And, and Phil, as I, as I alluded to, you know, we've not really heard too much from a kind of, uh, you know, product supplier, um, the supply chain itself. So just give us a little bit of an insight in terms of, you know, where you are currently as a business and, and just a, you know, a brief overview of what the journey has been like for you. Yeah, well, the journey has been um, really twofold. We've, we have a, obviously within our business, we have an external and have an internal uh, function. Um, the internal function obviously was a priority, uh, certainly in the short term. We needed to offer continuity of supply to um, many of our uh, key partners, our key distribution partners, and ultimately our key uh, body shop partners. Um, and that sort of um, uh, progressed as we went through uh, the system. Initially, we saw uh, difficulties centered around um, product coming in. It wasn't necessarily to do with product demand, but in terms of transportation, um, uh, borders being open um, and there was a, obviously a lot of on to, uh, uh, added time on, in terms of delivery in. The only saving grace in that situation was obviously the demands at that time uh, had reduced 
Um, we've all been in a situation where we haven't got product and the demand is high. This was the other way around. So the demand was low and product was coming in extremely slowly. Um, but we've, we've had to manage our business accordingly as well, not just from a, a local perspective, but also from a global perspective. We're a global manufacturer. Obviously, we manufacture in, uh, in Portugal. Um, and what we're seeing at the moment is, is what we were, the challenges that we had in our business in March and April is very much resonating now in other markets. So we, we have regular contact with um, our affiliated businesses via webinar. Um, and via, via Zoom and the likes. And um, we've, we've very much seen that what was happening to us um, in April um, and May is very much now happening in markets like Mexico and Brazil. Uh, well, while we were um, sitting with our tin hats on, they were operating quite normally, and now it's role reverse. So from a global perspective, um, for the group, it's been challenging. Um, I feel that in terms of the local market today, um, we're starting to uh, try and ramp ourselves up. Um, obviously, the market was very reactive at the very beginning. So the need for a technical person or a salesperson bowling into a body shop uh, in the months of May and June would probably have been met with um, uh, disapproval. Um, so we're now starting to see that um, we feel that the market will start to open more, uh, more so as we move into after the holiday period in September. So we're now starting to gear our business up, both internally and externally, to ensure that we've got the right measures and the right support in place uh, at the right time. Because I think that's going to be the critical thing, is the time element of when the people come back in at the right time, not just for body shops, but for distribution and also for the supply chain. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And do you see much changing in, in terms of operationally how you do that business? So, you, you know, you've kind of said about, you know, your, your field staff being out there going to see body shops. You know, is that going to transition where you'd be doing more of this kind of stuff, communicating with customers? I, I think that um, if somebody would have said to me back at the beginning of the year that we'll be holding the majority of our meetings via zoom or skype or teams i would have said never in the month of sundays you know it's not how we operate we're very much people um per, uh, uh, focused um and it's completely changed the way that we now operate so we're now seeing not just at global um uh, level in terms of the group interacting on a weekly basis via via teams and zoom but we're also doing that locally as well and I think that, for example, we've got some new products that we, uh, that we want to bring to market in sometime in the near future. So we're going to have to gear ourselves up to be more focused about um, uh, presenting those products in a different way. So how do we do that? We're going to have to use um, the web. Uh, we're going to have to use uh, social media. Uh, we're going to have to use a different uh, platforms for certainly in the near, the next two or three months than we have previously, which is very much feet on the street, um, people contact, demonstrating product. So there's a there's a, a bit of a learning curve for all involved, um, and each day we find a new challenge. So, okay, thanks very much, Phil. Peter, I'll come across to you in terms of, you know, business plans. Um, I think somebody mentioned on a webinar a few weeks ago they'd they'd already been through five or six this year. Um, you know, and what what does a business plan for QBE for an insurer look like at the moment? Well, we are an insurer, so we're naturally risk averse. So I, I think 
from our point of view, because we're in uncharted waters as it is, um, we just want to see how things settle down and, and develop. So a lot of our uh, projects uh, have been put on hold whilst we uh, whilst we wait to see how things uh, develop over over the coming months and things get hopefully get back to normal sooner rather than later. But I, I think until the dust has settled, it's a case of we've just got to watch and wait. So, as I said, many things have been put on hold. There's still a lot going on, but uh, a lot of the initiatives and, and planning for the future have been put on hold for now. So, um, I think that's that's where we are. I'd be, you know, I won't be surprised if other insurers are doing, you know, are doing the same. Um, but it's uh, it's uncharted territory. Yeah, absolutely. And and the, you know, there's there's bigger things if you like out there at the moment we've, we've obviously heard the Mitsubishi kind of pulling out or exiting Europe PSA only yesterday I think acquired a, a recycling specialist or a, a salvage uh, ABI insurance premiums at their lowest since 2016 um, the UK's largest repair network publicly announcing it's kind of up for sale if you like We've seen the trailblazer groups combine. Uh, so, so, you know, not only is there this kind of pandemic situation going on, but there's a million and other, other one things going on in the industry right now. Dave, from your point of view, you know, it just seems to all be happening at once. I mean, it, you know, much of it's been a long time in the pipeline, but it kind of all just seems to be landing, if you like. Yeah. Yeah, well, it does, yeah. I mean, to pick up on a, a few of your points there, um, you know, nationwide, obviously, if, if that, that's been sold before in, in my lifetime, probably twice, I don't know. And, um, you know, if that sells, I, I don't know what difference that makes, really. It's sold before, as I say, it hasn't really had an impact um, on other repairers, I don't think. Um, for the insurers and the suppliers, I guess it's the, you know, it's the unknown for them on, on who purchases it or what happens to nationwide. Uh, and, you know, I hope, hope it does. Uh, continue nationwide you know I wouldn't want to see a lot of people out of work even more so than the situation we're faced with so uh, I hope for for the people of nationwide it, it does you know find a buyer and, and carries on um the um trying to think what the, the other part of, of what you said then Mark well, with, the, with the people side of things so oh, I don't know the echo um you know, again, I mentioned the, the trailblazers are joined forces, oh, yeah, yeah. Raise, which obviously yeah. you're involved in and the collision repair sector group. You've just already just mentioned, you know, people, redundancies are yeah. out there in the industry. How do yeah. those, you know, two go hand in hand? Are we kind of in a better position that we've now got a greater pool of people to choose from or does it? Well, you know, I think the, the, pool, the pool of people is an old pool of people, unfortunately. You know, the age of the industry uh, of the technicians is, you know, uh, too old uh, because we, you know, we didn't bring youth in, um, you know, which is what Autoraiser are, are addressing, have been trying to for the last sort of four or five years since it started again uh, and making good headway until COVID um, again. Um, so, you know, I think if technicians do get pushed out, which they will, obviously due to redundancies, et cetera, across the board, those technicians may retire. They may go on and do something else rather than coming back into the industry. The danger being, I guess, if volumes return to some kind of normality first quarter next year, um, those people won't be there to be taken back on because they'll have found something else. Um, but if there's less body shops to go to, I don't know where they're, they're going to go. 
Um, and I think that that even more reinforces the the need for youth and apprenticeships in the industry. Um, those are the people we need to, you know, continue with the industry. The the technology pieces that we're all looking at at the moment, scrabbling around trying to make things happen. It's young people who understand the technology and will come up with the ideas and and better thoughts than than you know us old ones hanging onto it. So. You know, the more youth we can get into the, the industry, the better. And auto have, you know, um, joined those trailblazers together for a purpose. You know, there was a single skill trailblazer, a multi-skill. Now they're merged. That's taken the conflict away. Um, and they're all aiming for the same goal, you know, to find an endpoint assessment. So we can get the apprentices that are currently midway through their apprenticeships or nearly at the end of it, like some of ours are, um, so they can get qualified. Uh, and move on. So it's a really important task that's still been going on, even though COVID's been happening. Autoraise itself has had to, you know, sit there and hold and not talk to repairs, etc. Um, you know what Bob's had to be, you know, had to sit down and be furloughed, like you know the bulk of everyone else. Uh, but still, you know, trying to work and trying to make things happen uh, in the background because there'll come the point when we need to go again, when the training centres are open, the colleges are back open, and we need to, you know, move that on. Uh, and the charity, you know, it's it's their its sole purpose was to bring young people in and, and help this industry grow uh, and maintain itself and be sustainable. And everybody's got a part to play in that. And, you know, a lot of insurers, a lot of suppliers supported auto race from day one and have continued to. Um, you know, and I implore the, the ones that aren't supporting auto race, this is the time to put your hand in your pocket and support it because it needs, what a waste of everyone's time and effort if that failed, um, you know, before we come out the side of it, we, we need autoraise in the industry um, to, you know, continue the good work they've done and get the apprentices where they should be. Um, and everyone needs to do that. So every claims director in every insurance company, you know, whenever they retire, they can say, I was part of this legacy that continued this, you know, this industry uh, with young people. You know, that's why I implore them to support autoraise. So there we have it, midway through, and as I promised, some really great insights uh, and some honest and open conversations taking place today. So a huge thank you to our corporate partners, Asus, BMS, CAPS, Copart, Emacs, Integral, Enterprise Rent-A-Car, Nationwide Vehicle Recovery Assistance, and S&G Response, and along with our partners, the Green Part Specialists in DASA and the Innovation Group. Enjoy the second half of the podcast. Great stuff. Well, there's a, a rousing cry, so uh, a rallying cry and uh, some support coming in from Paul Collins and uh, Louise Willacott there. Um, again, once if anyone's got questions and or comments, feel free to uh, put them in the chat, the comments or the Q&A panel for any questions. Um, Phil, I'm going to come across to you. Uh, so in terms of, if you like, the, the sort of rest of 2020 uh, and potentially beyond, you're obviously sharing lots of information amongst um, your peers within Indasa and affiliate organisations. What are you picking up from those uh, countries that are potentially, you know, ahead of us in terms of this curve? Are, are there changes in relationships, how they're doing business, uh, human behaviours that they're seeing that they're sharing with you? I think at this stage, there's not anybody who's that much further ahead than we are. Um, certainly, um, when I look at the, the German market as an example, you can look at Germany and say that Germany hasn't been impacted as badly as 
a country like the UK. I have some personal involvement with the German market as well. Um, we certainly saw uh, a bit more standardized trading um, within the German market during the months of um, uh, uh, March, April and May. So they were, they were definitely ahead of where we were in terms of um, the day-to-day -day business. Um, we, are, we are seeing certainly them, their market open up a little bit more. So our, our, our sales function is very much um, uh, at 100% in the German, in, in particular in the German market. I know that's the case in, in other European markets now. It's starting to open, open up um, a, a little bit more. Uh, certainly in, in the likes of Portugal and Spain, we're starting to see uh, a bit more activity. But again, of course, there is, um, it's ever-changing. Um, we, we've seen this week alone in terms of what's happening in Spain. Uh, yesterday, uh, news in the, in, the, um, in the news about the German market, again, seeing a spike. So I don't think anybody at this moment in time is, is, is out of the, the woods. And I think the biggest challenge for, for all markets and all businesses has been the social distancing aspect. Um, and I think until um, we start to see a, a relaxation on that, we're not really going to see all markets at, at um, their full potential. That's, that's the reality. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Peter, would you, you know, again, from your experience with your kind of European uh, hat on, if you like, what are we learning? What are you learning from, from other, other nations and, uh, you know, how they're re-emerging? Uh, I think it's pretty much similar to Phil, actually. You know, we are seeing that uh, different hotspots in, in, in Europe. So Spain was getting back on its feet. Now it's obviously parts of it are, are suffering. But uh, I think we're seeing... I re I'm reluctant to use the words BAU, but uh, we are seeing certainly within the, uh, I guess, the broader European piece, they are getting back to, to normal, certainly Italy and Germany. Um, they're getting back to what we would have considered more normality than what we are. So um, it, it's interesting in the, in the sense that the impact of people's change of, of working environment, i.e., Everybody, most people working from home, all of a sudden there's no more rush hours anymore, and that's having an impact on, you know, on obviously incident rates and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So, um, these things are all playing a part, but we are seeing, as far as Europe's concerned, probably um, a speedier return to normal in certainly certain parts of it. Okay. And do, do, what do you think the impact will be on those countries? So, you know, we, we've mentioned Germany, both both Phil and, and yourself. You know, we're now kind of looking at the headlines and, and various, um, you know, states within Germany are kind of, you know, regressing with this. What is the impact? You know, how do, how do you deal with that as well um, from your side, Peter? Um, I think from our side, as an insurer, it, we, we deal with claims. That's what we do. So uh, there's no change there, really. It's just the frequency by which we get them. And at the moment, that frequency is low. So where things are getting back up to normal, i.e. You know, in other parts of Europe, then we're just dealing with it. From, a, from our own workforce point of view, um, we, we've retained the same amount of people. No one's been furloughed. Everyone's been working from home. I mean, as an organisation, um, our IT function has done a, an absolutely amazing job in providing the ability for everybody to access all our platforms from home, and that's right across the globe. So whether they're in Malaya, Sydney, Hong Kong, America, 
um, they're able to access the systems and it's and it's been done robustly so they've done a tremendous piece of work but obviously uh, i think we're not on we're not in our own uh, from that point of view and it's having a, a big impact on on what's happening in the marketplace you know just look at uh, the number of offices that people aren't returning to and obviously it impacts on sandwich shops coffee shops there's the travel that I mentioned earlier. Everything's impacted by it. So it's going to take a while before things do get back to normal. But when we look across this, the channel, if you like, to Europe, we can see things getting back to normal. Yeah. But we, you know, we entered this probably two or three weeks behind mainland Europe. And, um, and we're seeing that now. Yeah. Okay. And, and, and Phil, what about yourself? As you, you know, as, uh, as we've said, you know, other nations or regions potentially go into a second wave, a second lockdown, better prepared now in terms of how you'd manage it, do we think? Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, I, again, I come back to the fact that we've been um, very resilient, I believe. Um, I think the industry has been very resilient when I compare it to perhaps other markets. Uh, obviously, uh, being an abrasive manufacturer, we're not just supplying into the automotive market. And I was saying earlier on that, um, that you know, I think that the, I've, the, the automotive market has continued to trade through this, but I've seen other markets like the decorative market, for example, not trade because I think that some of the distribution points um, would be deemed to be more retail than perhaps, perhaps um, trade um, associated. Um, but I think that... Um, you know, when even when we look at what was uh, happening in, in Italy at the very dark times, we, we, we saw a lot of uh, manufacturing still um, being uh, implemented, uh, products still being supplied. And I think that we, we've all learned from this. So I think that uh, um, plans have been put in place from a global perspective um, to ensure that we, we offer a level of continuity moving forward. Um, but again, uh, we, we're learning all the time with this. And I suppose it's the having the plans in place at the right time, um, as we've seen how quickly this, uh, this thing um, uh, raises its head um, and how quickly people need to respond to it. Um, but I believe that, I would believe that most businesses, in particular ourselves, are, are now well equipped to, to deal with um, potentially a second phase. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And, and on that, Dave, again, kind of linking the two, just seen a question come in from uh, Daniel Athorn. Uh, regarding uh, sort of contract uh, renewals or terms. Um, and I've seen your response there, um, you know, regarding let, let things settle first before there's any kind of, you know, uh, need to do that or necessity to do that. But can you give us, explain a little bit more on, on that, really, your thoughts there? I, th I, th I don't think this is the time to be doing that at the moment. We, we need help. The repairers need help, obviously, with the extra things we're doing due to coronavirus cleanliness, the, the precautions we're taking, um, you know, that we need to take to protect the policyholders and our own staff. Um, so the support needed, I think, to, to get us through this part of it. Um, but then I think, you know, the things I, I think I spoke about last time I, I was on Mark, um, you know, the um, static costs that are with us that, you know, you don't see until you're closed. The, the costs are just sat there all the time, courtesy cars, estimating costs, etc. cetera. Um, they're, they're the parts of the contract that probably need looking at uh, and discussing, but I, I don't think it, it's right to alert them to it now, and which is what we've done. But I, I think 
you know, and you can start discussions, but I think actually physically sitting down and, you know, rewriting a contract and saying this is how it should be, um, will be first quarter next year at the earliest, really, to, to do that properly. Because otherwise you're going to have a few stabs at it and not actually really, you know, meaningfully change the contract. It, it will just be an add-on or a temporary addition because of what we're going through. It needs to be a permanent addition. So those are the things that need to change. And I don't think we're in a position at the moment, or anyone is, we're all, you know, we're all guessing, aren't we? We're all giving our best stab at what we think is going to happen. Um, you know, and it's not, it's not normal times. So nobody knows what's going to happen. You know, no one's got that crystal ball, but hopefully we will. We're all hoping uh, that we'll, you know, first quarter next year will be a bit more stable with volume. Um, the, the, Industry, I think we're very, very resilient, this industry. I think Phil said earlier, uh, and we are, you know. I mean, we've been through three or four great recessions and come out the other side, no problem. You know, and, and the body shop industry is pretty recession bulletproof if you've got insurer approvals, because which insurer ever goes bump? None. So, you know, you're pretty much guaranteed to, to keep being paid as long as you can keep repairing them. So I don't think we need to fear that, but we, we do need to not be in this position, I guess, where repairers feel we're not getting enough money or not getting, and I don't mean on labour rights, et cetera, but there's lots of costs that are geared to us that we have to do that maybe we shouldn't either have to do or we could share the cost or do something different. And those are the things that need, you know, the cream needs to come to the surface and we say those are the issues we had. Um, and this is why it's hard as an industry to to make money and, and keep the industry flowing. So to be successful and have a brilliant industry and encourage young people, want people want to come into our industry, we should all collectively make it better. So yeah, I think it will be, you know, first quarter next year when we can have those meaningful chats. And, and Peter... On, the, on that, does that kind of, you know, is that something that's uh, in your minds in terms of, you know, the potential for these conversations, the necessity for these conversations to take place? Yeah, I do think that. Uh, I mean, these these types of conversations should always go, should always be going on, regardless of whether we're in a pandemic or not. Uh, because, as a, you know, collectively, we need to be working together to improve things all the time. And, um, and, part and parcel of improving things is mutual support. So there are things obviously uh, are matters of importance to an insurer and there are things that are matters of importance to a repair and body shop. And we need to be talking and communicating better as regards to what we can do to overcome the challenges and, and oil the wheels between the two of us really. Yeah. Yeah. Great, great statement there. Now, Phil, um, you know from from where you sit from your perspective you, you obviously talked about kind of you know the changes that are taking place internally within the business uh the wider market influences that that are impacting on indasa and and you know the world over do you think we'll ever return to what we know as normal or, or are we really in a a new world kind of thing uh that's a good question um i know i get that first <laughs> um thank you for that uh, no, I, I'm I'm a, a bit of a traditionalist when it comes to this subject. Um, I'm, I, I understand that there are going to need to be changes. Um, we're going to need to make tweaks, but I don't see a massive overhaul here. The way I see life is this: is that people still require cars. Cars will still be um, will be crashed. Uh, cars will still need to be insured. Um, 
Uh, we're still going to need uh, vehicle manufacturers. We're going to still need a skilled workforce to repair vehicles. So I don't really see them, there being the necessity for a massive um, overall here. But I do think that we are going to see some shift in sand in terms of the market. I do think that we're going to see uh, some definite challenges, not just, um, well, right the way through the supply chain, we're going to see some challenges. Um, and I suppose we come back to what we talked about before, about a bit more consolidation in certain areas um, where we can have like-minded people thinking the same way, which can only benefit um, and add value to, to our industry. Um, so that's, that's how I see things. I don't see uh, a huge overhaul and a different way of working. I just think that um, we will get back to some sort of normality, as Dave referred to, uh, probably uh, 2021. I don't see it happening this, this year, uh, realistically. Uh, and then I think that we'll, um, as soon as we get back to some sort of normality, things become normal. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. And you kind of forget what was normal in the first place, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. <laughs> Dave, what, what about yourself? So, so same question to yourself, you know, will, will your, will the business of repair ever be the same again to what we knew? Or again, you know, like Phil, there might not be huge fundamental changes, but will there be, you know, some real differences in perhaps, you know, whether it's the way you capture work, whether it's where you process work, hand it back to customers, you know, is there, is there new lines of thinking there? Yeah, oh, definitely. And, you know, I think it's highlight. It's taken a global pandemic for us to uh, see it, maybe, or, or the things that have been put off and put off, we'll do it next year, you know, we'll do it never, whatever. whatever. Um, those things have started to already, you know, bear fruit and, and you know, technology, especially because of having to work from home. Um, you know, the claims, the automated claims, you know, we're starting to build now. It's been just sat there for such a long time with just some insurers doing, you know, very disjointed. Uh, I think the communication, the technology part, all once joining up, however that's done, um, and, it, and it will create huge, uh, you know, efficiencies for us. Um, Workshop-wise, I don't see it really, we, you know, I think Angela's just said, we can't work from home. Well, we can't unless you can get a car in your living room. You know, we can't. So... <laughs> Uh, and if you put it in your living room, you've got to get it back out. Um, so, you know, we've we've got to go to work and we've got to make it safe and safe for a long time. So I think, you know, there'll be gaps in the workshop, there'll be gaps in the office, et cetera, how we have to, you know, socially distance uh, or keep it as safe as we can. Uh, I think that, that part will, you know, remain for a long time, maybe forever, I don't know. Um, but I don't see us fundamentally changing what we do. I, I think it's a good thing that this gives us the opportunity to, you know, does any, I ask you the question back, does anyone want to go back to how it was before? I, I don't really. I, I look at it the other way and think I'd rather create a new, uh, a new way of doing it. Um, and that's the opportunity we've got in front of us now um, to do that. Why, why do we want to do it the way we were doing it before? Were we all happy with that? I doubt it. You know, um, let's let's change the way we do it. I'm fed up of Zoom calls. Um, <laughs> even though it's been, it's, it has been brilliant, and I feel much safer without having to wear my mask talking to you, Mark. But um, you know, the face-to-face -face side of it is is nice. It's nice to do business with people that you can see and shake their hand, etc. Uh, I think that's quite sad. 
um, you know, and, and sad, you know, with your family, you can't hug them and all, all that sort of thing. You know, it's, it's quite a sad situation. So I hope we get past that stage and we can, um, you know, come back out again in that respect and start doing, you know, like your conference in November, etc. Let's hope we're in a better position and, and people can uh, come back out, if you like, and feel safe to come back out uh, and start working again. So, you know, I'm hoping that all you know, starts to come back to some kind of yeah, normality. Yeah. And we do the odd Zoom call rather than it being the norm. Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. It's almost, you know, it's the it's the business stress test that nobody yeah. ever envisaged they, no. they would have to, have to do or, or would ever dream of doing it to themselves, really. Um, but I think with that, you know, the great thing that we we certainly heard over the weeks is picking out those, those plus points. And there yeah. has been a lot of those in terms of, you know, retrospectively looking at your business, how you're doing things, uh, you know, who your people are, et cetera, et cetera. So I think there's, yeah. you know, there are those kind of hidden gems in there um, that, that we can take from all of this. And, and Peter, for, you, for yourself as a, a as an insurer, um, you know, are you have you kind of now had time to almost, you know, settle in and, and reflect? And are there things, areas that you think you particularly, you know, are going to improve and what's going to be the first thing that you kind of set your sights on perhaps doing or achieving? Well, <laughs> big questions there. <laughs> so, uh, so Mark, uh, but I guess, yeah, you can't, I don't think any business can go through something like this and come out the other side without changing something. You've got to learn from it. And hopefully we, you know, we will be trying our best to learn from the experiences we've gone through. And, uh, you know, part and parcel of that will be, I, Obviously, appreciating that not everybody can work from home, but I think for those people that can, there will be a greater acceptance of people working from home uh, within businesses. Obviously, there was a there, there was a, a reticence before that some people might not be as productive if they work from home, but I think th that has largely been blown out of the water, to be honest. So I think there's a greater acceptance within within businesses that people can be productive by working from home. So if they're able to do that, then great. If they're not, then uh, I think then it's down to the personal level of or the, the, the amount of interaction between people. So and what I mean by that is from, a, from an insurer, I, I guess, if, wherever we can automate elements of the claims process, one, to make it easier for the customer uh, to, to have a resolution to their claim, but also to, if you like, identify focus and prioritize what is happening to a claim and where that claim is going so that uh, we can have a, hopefully you'll never get end-to-end -end claim without personal touch but there's a the i think there's an appreciation that if we if we look if we look six months ago everyone's bcp was about premises going down or systems going down where you couldn't get access to it and clearly, this has shown that really with the BCP, you also need to think about where you haven't got access to people. So that has to be, you know, has to be, uh, there has to be an awareness about that as well and how you can adapt your processes and internal processes and procedures to try and mitigate some of that going forward. Yeah, so a, greater, a greater adoption of, of, of IT and software, I guess, in the claims process. Brilliant. All right. Great stuff. Now, um, again, we kind of, what have we got? Just, um, less than 10 minutes to go. So just wanted to touch upon, if you like, the August 
typically, you know, the holiday season, schools break up, everyone disappears on a nice holiday. Um, not going to be the case this year, perhaps. Um, referring back to last week's webinar, we took a poll, 61% of respondents did not expect the summer break to have any major impact on volumes uh, in terms of where we are at the moment. Dave, do you still, do you hold that belief as well? Do you think we'll see a drop? Do you think we'll see an increase with staycations, etc.? Well, I think, I think what's happening with um, Spain and, um, you know, France, they were probably two big countries that we would flock to, naturally. Um, maybe with what's happening now, I don't know, maybe it's a government ploy for us to all stay here in Cornwall. Um, I don't know. Um, but, you know, if, if that, is, that is the case and it puts people off, it might do our industry the power of good if everyone stays here and our economy. Um, so, you know, if that is the case, um, I, I can't see August's volumes moving at all. Uh, I think, if anything, it will go slightly down on July, is my thought. Um, September, if the schools all go back, uh, that's where I see the next little jump in volume coming. Um, and I think, you know, and, and I think it all corresponds in August. I think August's a big month um, because furlough's changing and furlough's getting closer to the end. So I think August, September will be when the businesses are all looking at themselves saying, what are we going to do? Uh, if volume dips slightly in August as well, it may push them to make the decision a bit quicker. Um, but fearful of what might come in September, October. I mean, what if claims did shoot back up in September and you've suddenly made a load of people redundant? What, what happens then? But there's lots of concerns, but I think August, September, the two telling months now, uh, where we'll find out uh, what businesses are going to survive this. Um, and I think we'll see more, you know, at the end of August that aren't going to make it through or have made a, a huge change. So, um, but volumes-wise, I think it's going to slightly go down, and then I'm hopeful September, October comes up to this. You know, the holy grail at the moment is eighty percent. If if it reaches there, you know, um, that's where we're going to see. Naturally, with the the clocks changing and the dark nights, as we've always said, and the schools going back, we've always had that increase. So I don't see it being any different if the schools all go back. I think it will, you know, jump back up, but not. Yeah you know, to where it was. Peter, does that um, sound kind of familiar with yourselves in terms of where you're, what you're planning? Yeah, I would agree with what Dave was saying there. That's, that's certainly our expectation. That's our thought process. Um, I can't see deviating from that at the moment. All right. Okay. And there's this, uh, I don't know if anyone's seen this sort of uh, horrible term that I read on the BBC, zombie companies, where it uh, kind of refers to what Dave said uh, you know, a lot of businesses out there being supported by government packages right now. And as that steadily decreases, it uh, becomes the moment of truth for many. Um, Phil, uh, you've got the last say in this webinar, so it's over to you. What are you know? Um, but in terms <laughs> of uh, Indasa, again, would you kind of think, you know, August is going to be a, a month for us to kind of steady the ship and, uh, you know, rediscover where we are? Well, again, I mean, in terms of the, um, the uh, from a global uh, point of view, we do see lots of markets during the, the month of August um, shut down for two weeks. Um, even our own production uh, generally shuts down for that period of time. I think that we're going to see a change, um, certainly in Europe, regards to that. So I think that there was um, some shutdowns, certainly in the May period, 
um, for, for, for organisations where people took, uh, where organisations and manufacturing took a week in May. Uh, and you'll see skeleton staff operating certainly during um, the August period. I don't think there's going to be closures like we'd normally see wholesale closures. In terms of the in terms of the UK um, thing, yeah, we're budgeting that it's going to be below where we'd expect it to have been in July. Um, and I, like everybody else, we're pinning our hopes on the fact that when uh, we get back to uh, the schools, get back to some sort of normality, we'll start to see September and October. Um, start to uh, see an, an uplift in both in, in terms of claims and we're slightly behind the curve in terms of where body shops and distribution are so we're seeing things a little bit later um, than the the guys at the sharp end um, so yeah it, 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 I think that we we're going to see a slight downturn um, but I'm also mindful that a lot of these businesses have got, are going to have some challenges because they're already operating on skeleton staff some of them skeleton staff have been, certainly within our business as well, that they've been operating all the way through this process. Um, they're looking for some time out. You've got people who are furloughed. Um, so it's going to be a challenge for businesses, in particular body shops, um, to, to manage, uh, manage the month of August. Um, but I think we will see a, a downturn in, in, uh, in probably in claims and in, in relative terms in terms of sales. Okay, gentlemen, it's been a been an honour. Thank you very much indeed for uh, joining us. So, somebody alluded to it in the chat earlier. This is our twentieth uh, webinar today, nonetheless. I know I don't look any older than the day we started doing them. <laughs> um, and uh, so your, we're going to take a little break. <laughs> Steady with those comments, Dave. People can hear you. <laughs> Um, so we are due to take a little break for the month of August. We will be returning on the Wednesday, the 2nd of September. Do not fear. We will uh, bombard you with invites and calendar diary invites for that. So over the past 20 weeks, we've seen four and a half thousand viewers. Uh, we've heard from about 60 industry experts. We've produced two industry surveys. We've been involved in another uh, two joint body shop surveys with the MBRA and Trend Tracker. As I said, we're back on Wednesday the 2nd. Dave's already mentioned it. Thank you very much, Dave. The money's in the post in terms of our uh, physical event planned for Tuesday the 24th of November. Uh, fingers crossed, you know, we're all on track for that. We will be keeping you, uh, what should I say, updated during August, so do not fear. Uh, it's not the last you've heard of me for a month, although many wish it was. Um, but we will be uh, doing some editing highlights, clips, as well as um, publishing some podcasts for everybody um, so keep your eyes peeled for those uh, look out for the LinkedIn group which is going to go live very shortly as well the ARC 360 as well as the website which is a couple of weeks off now uh, huge thank you to everybody for joining us over the past 20 weeks huge thank you to obviously yourself Phil Dave and Peter for your time today uh, we will give a huge thank you as always, to our corporate partners, so ASIS, BMS, CAPS, Copart, Emacs, Integral, Enterprise, and Nationwide Vehicle Recovery Assistance, S&G Response, and of course our partners, the Green Parts Specialist in DASA and the Innovation Group. There's some of the uh, beautiful faces we've seen over the past 20 weeks there, some highlights uh, from everybody. So once again, a massive thank you for joining us today, and we will see everybody in a month's or so's time. Take care, everybody. See you Thank soon. Thank you, Mark. Thanks. Pleasure. Thanks, See you guys. 
So what a great way to round out 20 weeks of webinars um, and obviously reproduced as podcasts in recent weeks. Uh, it's been a great journey and we are having a little break for August back on the 2nd of September as you've probably heard all the details in terms of what we're doing during the month of August so plenty more to come from us huge thank you to our speakers as always and a massive thank you to our corporate partners ASIS, BMS, CAPS, Copart, Emacs, Integral, Enterprise Rent-A-Car, Nationwide Vehicle Recovery Assistance and SNG Response along with our partners the Green Part Specialists in DASA and the Innovation Group. You'll hear plenty more from us over the coming weeks in terms of podcasts, etc. So look forward to catching up with you again soon.